0: All right. Well, hello. Welcome everyone to the Faith Journeys podcast. My name is Brad. I am your host. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring different people's journeys of faith. I truly believe that each and every one of us is on a journey of faith regardless of our religion or creed. And I believe faith goes deeper than just attending a religious worship service and that it truly guides and leads our lives to the best of times and through the worst of times. And it is my hope that through this podcast, we can see that each of us has a journey to take. And along that journey, we are never alone. So today, my guest is a member of my church. Her name is Eva Wen. Eva fled Vietnam with her family when she was just five years old, her parents with six children, ages three to nine, rebuilt their lives in the heartland of America. With the love and support of a Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, they flourished to be Buckeyes and proud Americans. Eva currently works and lives in Cyprus with her husband and her three children, and they are members of my church, Messiah Lutheran Church. So Eva, welcome to the show. It's great to have you.
1: Thank you for having me, Pastor.
0: Awesome. So, Eva, we um, the reason this all started was is that uh, I overheard a conversation in our lobby area one Sunday, and had no idea that you were a part of Operation Frequent Wind. I believe it was called, which was the evacuation out of Vietnam uh, following the following the war. Is that right?
1: That is correct. Um, we pretty much our family, my family left the day that Saigon was falling. Wow. So um, the Vietnamese community, we call it uh, the 30th of April. Uh-huh. So in Vietnamese uh-huh. so that was a day that we lost our country. And so pretty much last minute we were trying to flee and uh, it was very dramatic. For myself, I was five, so I don't remember the trauma of that day Uh but you know we've relived it as a family and retold it many times and it's, it's part of our um fabric of yeah you know our heritage so yeah we we were part of a huge um I guess diaspora that left Vietnam that day
0: right right so what what are the stories that have been told to you about that day and what it was like uh, for people uh, who really lived it that day. So
1: it's kind of funny because, you know, I have, you know, I, I would say as an immigrant, I think many people have this experience where you kind of live your life inside your body and then you kind of lead your body and like you're an observer. Yeah. And so I would say that's how my experience of that day and my experience as an immigrant or a person living in America. Or a person of color, actually, you know, it fluctuates back and forth all the time. So, um, so over the years, I would say my memory kind of has morphed because of that, uh-huh. taking on my brother, you know, my brother. Um, so we had six children, three boys who are older. I was the oldest girl and uh, my sisters, the youngest one was three. Luckily, we were all walking by the time that day <laughs> yeah. happened. Yeah. But, you know, I think my mother is still breastfeeding, my youngest. Wow. Okay. So uh, that day, according to my parents, because I only remember be- being at the airport, we were fortunate enough to have been airlifted out. Okay. So at mm-hmm. that, that day when Saigon was falling, the tanks were rolling in, um, the communists were marching in on Saigon. So we, we left Saigon and flew out of the airport there, you know, we could hear things in the background and just panicking. For me as a child, you know, it was just my, my close family. When we left, no one went with us. So my father was in the military, of course, it was, you know, mandatory, the draft and everything. Right. But he had asked all his family and my mother too, if they wanted to leave with us. Okay, they had asked the family. We're talking my living grandparents, mm-hmm. the brothers and sisters, cousins, you know, anybody. No one wanted to go. And that's a shocking thing. So if you can imagine, people had a way, like their fear of the communists, the Vietcons, you know, who yeah, are yeah. about to take over the country, right? Versus their fear of starting over in a place that they knew nothing about. Okay. Um. And my mother, according to my mother, she was one that pushed my father because she growing up, you know, Vietnam has had a history of all these uh, col- um, colonies, yeah. um, colonialism. And so before that was the French, okay? So her memory was more of the French mm-hmm. and, and, that, and how they came into the villages and, and did things. So she was all, always had a fear of, you know, um, I don't know, living in that kind of way. Yeah. She pushed my father to leave. She knew he'd probably go to jail and everything. And, of course, that's what happened to, to everybody uh, in the military or affiliated with
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, the previous regime when the Vietcans came in.
0: Because
1: uh-huh. my father wanted to stay. So my mother, to say she takes the credit for, you know, why we're near- here. <laughs> <laughs> because my mom, because she's she the was only fearless. one.
0: She's the right. only one that wants to go. She was fearless. I mean, she wow. tried to
1: persuade everybody else you know, she said, I will start over. My children will have a new life. You know, And, and I would say that also um, ties in with her faith. I mean, she, she's a faith inspiration to us as well. Uh-huh. So yeah, Sally, that day, you know, we left all our cousins behind and um, my, you know, I, I was five. So again, my memory is very childlike, but my brothers remember like, you know, saying to their cousins, like, you know, I'll bring you back a toy or send you toys from, from the u.s you know like like childhood, like they're gonna see each other again like you know and they're like don't remember you know and it's heartbreaking to hear these things because these cousins came over years later and we kind of see as far as our lives the branch that it took because we came over here in 1975 much younger we had relatives came over in their teens or early 20s later mm-hmm. and you know it's a difficult migration or immigration experience mm-hmm. at various ages. So, um, yeah, my mom pretty much, she packed, she tried to pack up a rice cooker. I mean, like, at <laughs> you know, like, her brain wasn't working, you know, yeah, and it, yeah. it, it came down to like leaving with just a close in her bag. I think my dad has had a, a little briefcase and he still has it to this day of all his important paperwork. And yeah, we did not leave with a lot of money, like a lot of, um, Maybe families who planned it better did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but pretty much to close our back, you know, a couple changes of outfits. And then we went to the airport and, uh, and pretty much camped there waiting for our turn. And again, my father's lucky. He worked. Um, he, was, he was a pilot. He flew rescue helicopters. Uh-huh. And at some point, um, he worked for Air America. And that was our connection to getting mm. out.
0: Gotcha. Because
1: of, yeah, because of that. So... Yeah, you know, he got paperwork for us to actually be on a plane. And what happened that day was they were so desperate. I mean, it's anything that flew would carry people out. Okay? Yeah, and yeah. so they loaded people into like aircraft carriers. Like wow. pretty much, if you've ever seen those huge um, planes, I feel like they, yeah, yeah and they yeah. feel like they did that in Afghanistan as well. So pretty much anything that flew can take people, like they just lowered the hatch and loaded people in. And so- um, we waited for hours at the airport. I remember kind of like playing tag with my siblings, you know, and, and just like messing with each other. And I just, knowing how my parents, like me and a parent now, I know like my parents were terrified. <laughs> yes. but for us, we we did not know what was going on. For me, for my little sisters, like we had no idea. You wow. know, it was just another day hanging out with the family and playing, you know. Um, my older brother probably had a lot, more sense of what was happening but i would say all the other siblings clueless okay? yeah and um yeah we finally got in like all crowded um my brother my oldest brother remembers you know people standing at the door of the uh the aircraft uh-huh. with a gun so i don't know if he was to shoot other people from getting on or like to, fly, you
0: know oh my god so I,
1: I don't know I, I, at that point how much the you know the the people, the victorious people were encroaching in. But, yeah, it was pretty much pure chaos. And we flew out. And for our family, we went first to uh, Wake Island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Uh-huh. So it is it's a, it's a military, uh, I guess, landing gotcha. for the U.S. troops.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: It's near Guam. And then we stayed there until... We could transfer, so I think we stayed there for about a week. Mm-hmm. And my memory of that, again, like clueless, and I had no idea like we left the country forever. <laughs> you know, left, you left our homeland. So yeah. Just, just my memory that I'm going off right now, not right. Later, later with my siblings. So I remember seeing out. You know, it was a beautiful um, island, white sand. And I remember for some reason my father would go out and swim, and I would stay on the beach side watching him afraid that he'd get eaten by sharks oh.
0: so that's my memory of our <laughs>
1: short time at wake island yeah yeah <laughs> you know i don't remember any like when there are other vietnamese people they <laughs> <No. Like>, my <laughs> child memory is that that's all i remember is like just being afraid my dad when he was swimming in the ocean would get eaten by a shark and then we loaded up um and we transported to the u.s so um we went to fort chappie which okay. is in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So they had converted military bases as uh, a place to, uh, to house immigrants, mm-hmm. like Vietnamese refugees, until they could be sponsored into the community. So the biggest ones were Fort Chappie and Camp Pendleton in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are thousands of Vietnamese people at Fort Chappie. We were one of them. So we left uh, fall of saigon april 30 we did not get sponsored until the summer so we stayed there for two months they had barracks you know like military barracks uh-huh. yeah and they put families in there and you know they would um portion or ration food and you know we'd eat in the mess hall and then every night they'd have movies outdoors like a like a I drive in without cars, all the kids would gather in the um, you know, grass and watch Uh movies. And you know, my memory of that time again, clue (laughs) so Uh just fun. Like when when you're I guess, and it's important that when you're surrounded by your immediate family, you feel safe. Right. Right. So I for me, I never felt threatened or in danger. It was just honestly like a fun time right <laughs> <laughs> and my brothers had fun I mean we made best vacation I mean, ton- ever <laughs> exactly there were tons of kids we played all day I mean we had no clue the stress or whatever my parents yeah. had to endure or were you know going through at that time but so for my memory that was poor uh, chappy and and you know, we didn't know English so we always call it poor chappy <laughs> and, and it wasn't until years later that we realized oh my gosh it's Fort Chappie and it's actually placed in Arkansas I was like, it's, so, it's so weird right yeah right you yeah. know because I've yeah. researched that time now uh-huh. and so that the puzzle pieces fall and fit better and make more sense but that only happened in adulthood and so most I'll of be. my um wow yeah and then now there's YouTube videos and there's like footage of Fort Chappie I'm like oh my gosh that is my memory like that is what I remember so wow. I can piece things together. But as a kid, you know, your memory is mostly, um, you know, like just episodes and, and things like that. And you can, if you can't verbalize it, and it's hard to describe. Only lately have we gotten footages and just wonderful compilations that has been done recently about the whole Vietnam experience. But again, like I remember like watching, um, I think Ben was one of the movies that they showed at night. Like this, they, ha- they showed horror movies to children. I don't know why.
0: But I had no- we
1: had nothing. <laughs> As <nights>.
0: if the <laughs> whole experience <laughs> wasn't horror enough. Right. right? <laughs> I <laughs> was <laughs> like,
1: were, were these the movies that were popular then? I don't know. Like they, there was this movie with this two headed man. Oh, There's movie. I, uh, <laughs> and then a lot of cartoons. But again, for the children, um, you know, they would bring toys and we'd. Uh, you know, like, you know, get toys. Um, you know, they, they try to feed us things that we were, we were accustomed to. So we ate a lot of rice, I think, and mm-hmm. chicken was what was mostly on the menu. Yeah. And I remember, so I remember learning to tie my shoes at Fort Chappie. So wow. that is one of the memories
0: uh-huh.
1: that I have is I learned how to tie my shoe at Fort Chappie. Oh. <laughs> tie my shoe to chase after my brothers, you know, as they went off to play. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Um, and so we were there. Uh, for a couple months, waiting for a sponsor, it was kind of difficult and challenging because, you know, we were a young family and we had six children. Okay? Right,
0: right. And so, and and really, one of the lucky ones too. Uh, my research: only seven thousand were really evacuated during that time. Is that right? Out of all of those, all of those people.
1: So that day, um, so. I, so people had been evacuating. I mean, I think the higher ups knew what was happening. So yeah. and yeah. so people had so people had left maybe a couple years, but the, that big um
0: gosh, no, the, the day that that, that day, that yeah, day was
1: uh-huh. a huge. I, I always thought it was more than that. But during that time, like uh, over a hundred to two hundred thousand Vietnamese people left. Vietnam, wow. you know, like wow. sled. Okay, sled. And not all of us landed in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like say there were the, the two big camps, Camp Pendleton, and the uh, Port Chappie. You know, some were sent to other countries, right? Like Australia and Canada. Yeah. But uh, wow. seven thousand—that's—that's. That's I would have to research that because. Yeah. There was yeah. Everybody evacuated that day. That huge evacuation, and, and then after and that, the all, was trickling.
0: Yeah. Like, and did y'all know anybody but, that didn't make it? Were there people that your family knew that? remain behind that didn't get out
1: so pretty much we so my parents knew people who tried to leave but couldn't make it Uh so of course of course you know they have friends um who are not successful Mm -hmm. but of course our family our relatives willingly stay behind so i can't really say that they yeah they actually you know they they stay behind they did not want to leave they could have wow. gotten the paperwork my dad uh-huh. could have like tried to push them and they could have been part because right. um you know my immigrant experience is, is unique to people who are not vietnamese but you mm-hmm. know i've met many vietnamese people and we always share that that is something that connects us and ties us in the u.s obviously
0: yeah yeah
1: and my experience is very fortunate Michael, my husband, has a very, very similar experience, you know, in that it wasn't traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many traumatic experiences where people were separated from families, uh, you know, where people were injured, things mm-hmm. like that. You know, mm-hmm. that happened that day, you know, crushed, wow. pushed back, separated, but definitely separated from families. Mm-hmm. And that, that's and, you know, because later you see stories of people, people being uni- reunited. But for Michael, yeah, he had a very similar story of leaving. Mm-hmm. He did not leave by plane. He left by boat. So again, wow. on that day, it was pretty much wow. planes, trains, and automobiles Anything that would fly <laughs> yeah. or float away,
0: wow. people jumped on. So Anything Mike's that family, moved and got people out of there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So
1: he, his family were able to get on you know, a ship, like a battle carrier, something like that. Wow. Wow. And you know, I've talked to other people, and we call ourselves 75ers um the people who left in yeah. 1975, 1975 at the very yeah. last minute were 75ers and it's kind of funny you know we all, we all have the same social security number like we were all became citizens at the same time or something like when i look at somebody's social because i work in the medical field uh-huh. i'm like oh my gosh they're a 75er because we have the same initial numbers
0: wow so it's not, yeah it just, wow. just a little
1: thing Wow. um but no he again is a 75er very fortunate it was not separated from uh-huh. his family but his family actually had uncles that you know, his dad's brothers actually yeah. came with them. Like uh-huh. they said, yes, we'll go. You know? Yeah. So he had a couple uh, extended family.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And and many people left with, you know, grandparents. But you know, my grandparents did not want to go. Um,
0: what was it? What was it about not wanting to go? Just not leaving homeland regardless of what, what was happening or what could happen uh, during that time? That there was that much of a draw to... So what home was i guess well you know people have
1: faith in other ways like faith that you know it can't be that bad you know
0: yeah right you know right
1: or hope you call hope so my my yeah. mom's brother was a police officer um and she really wanted to go and, and what i had mentioned those cousins earlier um my mother's brother had six children too Mm -hmm. So we kind of look at them as where the parallel goes Uh because they stay behind. So what happened to my uncle? He did not want to go. His wife didn't want to go. And so their family did not leave. He, like many people were put in re-education camps, re-education camps, Mm -hmm. which is pretty much, you know, um, just just prison uh, for 10 years of labor Wow. And the people who survived those experiences uh, were the ones who, whose family made sacrifices to come move to be near them, to bring mm-hmm. them food every day. Because, you know, yeah, it's pretty much you, you're in there. You're just neglected. And uh, a lot of people perished or became just broken. Mm. Um, very broken. Um, so that's what happened to my uncle. He did not want to come with us. And he was put in jail. Mm-hmm. And so my aunt... Um, had to raise those six kids, and so years later they were able to come over to America, but with another program, like a humanitarian program, uh-huh. in the nineties. Um, and yeah, we we reunited with them, and at that time they were in the late teens and early twenties. Meanwhile, we had lived, you know, in America, gone to school here, right? You know, graduated. Was starting college and it just really was a stark contrast of like wow if only like yeah. though like if only if only if only they would come yeah. with us right you know we'd have the same um, opportunities and things like that
0: yeah
1: um so wow.
0: so yeah, now so you're for- you're in fort chappie and how is it that you get to columbus ohio and get tied in with the lutheran church of all things <laughs>
1: So, this is the amazing thing. Um, and so lucky, you know, the Lutheran Church, um, Lutheran Social Services uh-huh. was very active back then, and they're active now. And I'm right. just so proud to be, you know, a part of that, they have affected my life in that way. Yeah. Um, so, so many families would wait for Chappie at Camp Pendleton for, for sponsors from if they had relatives, for, you know, which few did you know, mm-hmm. to sponsor you, you know, organization, but mostly it was churches that did it. Okay. yeah. And so again, my, my life and Michael, my husband's life parallel because his, uh, his Catholic church, you know, his family is Catholic. And over there, a Catholic church sponsored his family mm-hmm. to come and um, to go to San Diego. So I think my parents had an offer from Oklahoma and they declined. I mean, Thankfully, I mean, no, no, but our church, Clinton Heights Lutheran Church, was the offer that they finally accepted. And I, I think, wow. I don't think they had a lot of offers. Okay. It was probably the second <laughs> that my dad realized, like, I would not. A lot of offers. So, and they offered to take our whole family, which was very important because some wow. people um, would take uncles, you know, like, yeah, they, they would split up a young family, but if you had mm-hmm. uncles or older um, relatives like that, they might. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and it was, you know, th- nothing was forced. People had an option and you went with the best pick. So we went to Ohio. I, I guarantee you, everybody was trying to look for like the winning ticket was California. Cause we all knew about California. <laughs> okay. Cause the weather was a lot like Vietnam and Texas. So uh-huh. those were the two places that were um, the most Vietnamese people wanted to eventually end up. Okay, the cream of the crop ones yeah because it was just like vietnam (laughs) ohio we had oh my goodness so we went to ohio um and that was in august wow and i remember because my birthday's in august and and shortly after being sponsored to come to ohio um the the lovely church you know did a birthday for me Uh uh-huh um but we so we got on a plane the sponsor so the sponsor has a you know provide a plane ticket they have to help with housing Uh they have to help with finding a job okay Uh and that church did all of that for our family um they put us in a an apartment um like within walking distance of the church Uh (laughs) which was convenient because we didn't have a car Um, they got my father i think a job working for someone in the church Uh but we have pictures of you know them coming to the airport you know, wow. picking us up. It's just, you know, these nostalgic pictures. And I look at Michael, my husband's photo album, very silver pictures too. It's like, oh my gosh. know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very uncanny how many people at that time might have had a very parallel experience like myself.
0: Right, right.
1: And, and so I feel very blessed. I feel very blessed. And that is how we ended up at um, in Columbus, Ohio with Clinton Heights Lutheran Church. And they pretty much just had to love these people and that was our my first impression of america yeah you know uh, at fort chappie occasionally they would have um like military people come through like the soldiers Uh and you know you know like over here people make you know when kids play they make up accents it's funny like back then i i clearly vividly recall us thinking that americans sounded like shh, 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 you know, like a whole bunch of asses. <laughs> we pretend to speak English, be like, shh, 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 So anytime like a, a military person comes through, we'll be like, oh, you know, everyone will gather and, and crowd around them. I remember occasionally like maybe somebody's officer's daughter would yeah. come through on a Jeep. Right. But, but as far as true Americans, like Clinton Heights, Lutheran Church, my first impression of America. Wow. The kindest people, the most down to earth people. I mean, completely salt of the earth generous people clinton high Lutheran church wow and it's it's funny because when you overheard my conversation with um, nancy at her church mm-hmm. you know what i met her when i uh, when we first joined messiah like she immediately approached us because she was a person who has you know she came from a church that sponsored a family like mine yeah. Thinking, nancy you're my you are definitely you're the people that I saw when I first came to me. hundred percent. right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Nancy fits that picture completely.
0: Yeah. Salt yeah. of the
1: earth, just like loving, arms open, ready to help. And, you know, only years later do I hear stories from my parents about how, like, the little things they did you know, or the awkward things that happened, you know, like right. cultural, you know, disconnects or misunderstandings that happened.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, it's interesting because, you know, my mother and father at that time were in their late thirties. And my mother um, is a very, like I say, she's a person of faith and a very, she's, she was a teacher in Vietnam. So she's very, um, I would say perceptive. Cause again, yeah. she was one mother the guys out of Vietnam. Okay, right. <laughs> Not right. my mother's, you know, we uh-huh. were <laughs> so thinking. But her interaction with our church was very, um, like, she was never offended. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, whereas yeah. my father is probably more prideful. So, so the, just, just in our family, like, my father, yeah. who was a military guy, had to give up yeah. so much, he, he had a harder adjustment. Uh-huh. Whereas my mother was very gracious and was always so grateful. Yeah. because she knew their heart like you know even if they might have did something bad came off you know she knew their heart like she kn- she was never offended and she would always tell these stories like like you know, this one time and she could tell that they were gently teaching her things they didn't want to offend her but my mother knew you know right. and she right. was always gracious to these lovely ladies like mrs boya she uh, uh-huh. who was a nurse would always um, you know, we had six kids, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's overwhelming for I think for for anybody to kind of get to know absolutely you know, into, right. but but um Boya was one of our mentors and she was just um so like she went to all of our graduations, she came to mm-hmm. every event that she could. Wow. Like she she's more than an aunt i mean she was we never call her auntie but she she was just boya yeah you know and, and again we look back she's like oh my goodness she is it's the, just the um prototypical scandinavian lutheran to me and now it's like <laughs> Boya. like what 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 a strange name It's like she's so like, you know only as adults could i understand who they were yes. as right. individuals yeah you know, it, the church is like a monolith to an immigrant kid you're like everybody's just like yeah. And you, you see good in everything as a kid too. Yeah, You didn't see people's faults. I mean, all these people are on pedestals to me and rightly so, because uh, every interaction with us was just kindness. Uh huh. And so in that way, you know, I, I, this is when I get emotional because I just cannot think of um, them without just feeling so blessed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and when y'all came over, what was your, what was your faith tradition coming over? um was it was it christian was this was it uh, something else um and then how how did that change because i know you're lutheran now so can you walk us through what that faith journey was for you
1: absolutely so um in vietnam like most people uh it depends what region you live in so when the french colonized vietnam for that time they were mostly in the north, and so like it was mostly priests, Catholic priests that came over, mm-hmm. and and um, did you know a lot of the outreach and um, converting. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people up north are Catholic, in the south is more Buddhist, mm-hmm. and we were Southern Vietnamese. We, um, mm-hmm. my parents' villages are in Southern Vietnam, um, southern parts of Vietnam near the Mekong Delta. Mm-hmm. Like, we lived in Saigon when we left um, in 1975. And so for my family, um, my father, not a very religious family, Mm -hmm. but more Buddhist. Mm -hmm. My mother's family is actually from a village in Vietnam where there's a religion that was founded in Vietnam um, about 100 years ago. And it was eclectic. So it embraced Buddhism,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Taoism, and Christianity. Wow. <laughs> so my mother's religion is called Gaudi. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so it's Gaudi. And it, it began in Vietnam. And it's an eclectic religion. That so my so mother's faith.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. She, she, um, so she, she uh, worships. And on her altar, there's Jesus, (laughs) there's (laughs) Confucius, and there's God. So it's it's an interesting religion, and I still pray with my mother. So that's her root, and her. um, My grandfather is like a bishop in that, and he, I mean, in history, you might have heard of the Tet Offensive
0: during the Vietnam War. There was a day,
1: yes, he actually um, was in the temple praying and was hit by shrapnel and. Uh, was oh, wow. killed as part of the Tet Offensive
0: uh, um, in
1: 1968. Yeah. Wow. Right. So, huh. so my mother's side is very Gaudai.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, when when I go, yeah. I've been back to Vietnam once. Went to the village. You know, the whole village is Gaudai. It's the um. It's the you know the place where Gaudai uh, was born, and so all. The relatives on my mom's side is, is God. I okay. wow.
0: Um,
1: so when we came over here, we lived in Ohio. There's no God, no God, <laughs> I church
0: for sure. Okay, not even uh, anything that remotely looks like right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Hardly any Buddhist temples, yep, and hardly any Vietnamese people. Yeah, okay. hardly. So, my mother, uh, again, she accepted Christ, so she believed, so she had no problem with us. Um, Mm -hmm. going, going to the Lutheran church and um, they pretty much were part of our childhood and our upbringing. So she uh, set up an altar at home and we would pray with my mother at home. Wow. um, And we go to church and, you know, even as a child, I thought, wow, you know, I was conflicted sometimes and our church members come over and I'll tell you, god bless them they never said anything um, to my mother about that
0: they weren't pushy or anything like no they were not
1: you know they like uh they did not have an issue with that
0: so could you say that y'all came into the faith strictly by what y'all saw in the people that served that lutheran congregation that it was strictly by how they lived and how they were that kind of drew you to it or attracted you to it that made you more open to that?
1: So again, for my parents, it was their decision Mm -hmm. for us to go to um, the Lutheran Church. They had no problem Mm. with us going every Sunday. Boya would come get us or, Mm. you know, Miss Ruth they had no issue with us attending church. Um, My mom said later, she said, you know, well, we didn't have a temple and you prayed at home. I mean, it's better than, because my mom is a person of faith and religion. Mm -hmm. She, Mm -hmm. you know, she prays every day. Mm -hmm. So she had no issue with us learning, you know, Mm -hmm. the Lutheran faith. And so we pretty much went to Sunday school Mm -hmm. uh, at Clinton Heights, you know, um, every week, every Sunday, my parents would come. And then later, they would. their attendance would be less. And one, once my oldest brother could drive, then he was in charge of taking us to church. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like the Wind children, the Wind clan, six of
0: us. Yeah.
1: <laughs> kind of taking over Clinton Heights with church. <laughs> you know, yes. everybody, everybody knew the wins. And, I, and, that was, and I, in many ways, it kind of made our childhood very special. I mean, I, I sometimes think how we come to texas or california or any place where there were so many vietnamese people
0: yeah
1: i think my immigrant experience would have been much different because we just felt special
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: we had we had you know different many times awkward all that but definitely i felt like we were special we were loved we were appreciated by that community
0: yeah
1: um yeah
0: and, and you know, for for our listeners, this is what I want everyone to kind of understand. You know, you you don't have to be you know all missionary one hundred and one going in there. You know, we're gonna save you know whoever. Um, just live your life um, and use that as the witness itself, um, because I think that that speaks more volumes than anything that you can try to force upon anyone. And, and I've always believed religion is not something that you can force on anyone. Um, if, if it is, I don't think it ceases to be, um, a, a religion at all because, um, you know, religion is something that you come to an understanding with in your, in your life. Um, and, um, uh, that happens naturally if that happens through just life right you know your parents setting an example you watching your parents you know growing like for me growing up as a kid you know the reason i am a lutheran christian is because my parents were lutheran and christian they didn't force it on me right we went you know i saw how they lived and i said wow this is this is this is cool i but i had the decision you know, at any point in my life to go any other different direction, right? Um, Absolutely. And, and you know, I think that's oftentimes the thing that we miss is that, you know, uh, just live your life and as an example, right? Jesus says, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hid and uh, just let your light shine and people will be drawn to that, right? <laughs> you don't have to force anything upon anyone. <laughs> Absolutely. I
1: mean, you know, as a child, I was surrounded by adults who were very kind and I didn't know anything about them. Honestly, they were so humble, Mm -hmm. so modest, but I just just saw their acts, you know, how they mentored us, how they encouraged us, how they try to, you know, connect us to this culture that was new. Okay. Um, Again, I I mentioned Boya, but there are many people, but Boya definitely is is a lovely, special person in our family. You know we went to confirmation um we were baptized and confirmed on the same day so wow. <laughs> we're talking. Like 14. And it was a special day but wow. you know when you're, when you're that age like it was like way too much attention
0: yeah and you're
1: being baptized too as but wow. Boya would throw a party afterwards at her home you know she'd make this chicken casserole i mean it was like everything you know we were super vietnamese and then just going to church like they were so American. it's like this is how american people are this like chicken you know uh, just the food just i don't know it it was just such such a connection i would say like my lutheran experience it's almost my connection to america as well it's it's almost intertwined
0: yeah
1: you know my faith my my feeling about being american i don't know at that time it just was all like this but um just we didn't know Hardly anything about these adults that were part of our lives. And only later did we appreciate them. Like, God, you know, so modest, so humble. Like, one of them was a dean of Ohio State. One of them, like, her pies, uh, Mrs. Ruth, who taught us how to bake apple pies, like, her pies won at the Ohio State Fair. I'm like, they never say these things. <laughs> you know, they don't tell you these things. You're a kid and you grow up like, oh, it's just Mrs. Ruth. Yeah. and they were just just amazing people who to me is like that, that's that's a christian you know yeah. they were just you know just yeah you would never know <laughs> they would never brag or talk about things
0: wow but they humbleness. were just humbleness humble yeah yeah absolutely so eva real quick um w- w- one last thing before we before we wrap things up um You know, there's, there's been such a stigma made of um, refugees um, in our country lately. Um, what would you say to a person who uh, would be scared or maybe even unsure about uh, when it comes to refugees and welcoming refugees into our country as someone who went through that process, as someone who didn't start off as an American, right? But your story, I'm telling you, it's about as American as it gets, <laughs> honestly, right?
1: right? I would say, you know, being a refugee myself, you know, I, I'm always leery or wary about making my story too special or too unique, because in many ways it might be, but in many ways, yeah, everybody has a story. Right. right, everybody has a story. At the end of the day, we have to find a way to connect each other to each other with our stories. So I'm lucky; I have a story that's somewhat, you know, I wouldn't say it's racy, but oh, you know, because some people are just oh, I've been here for generations, so I can, you know, my identity is more is more of a contrast that I can appreciate. Right. Right. you know, my difference, but then it makes me much more aware of how I need to connect with other people, you know, because of my maybe differentness. So it, it, for me, it's been a habit to try to connect. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people, you know, this is a, an air of discomfort. And I understand that,
0: mm-hmm. you know, and
1: I, I would encourage people like, you know, when you connect with somebody, when you, you know, it might be uncomfortable at first, whether they be, you know, just somebody from the, the town, another country, mm-hmm. you know, we are all different. But when you find where you are similar, you know, that is when the feeling of being human
0: mm-hmm.
1: and being a part of like God's bigger family
0: yeah.
1: comes yeah. in. You know, it, that, that is, is, is rewarding. It is, it is an effort worth having, worth making. You know and to not be afraid of people um so a uh, part of my background is counseling and eventually i just realized you know the best way to change a person's life is pretty much like if you can be a parent to them yeah right yeah and i feel like you know if you want to make a difference in anybody's life
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know you can mentor them but if you can come as close to being that that person that, the parent that loves it unconditionally That is there for them, that helps provide certain things for that person. You know, that is how you truly change a person's life. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, refugees, when they come to America, you know, you can look at them as like orphans, orphans without homes. Mm -hmm. And I think for my family, you know, we were, you know, we were homeless. Right. We had left our country, we left everything in that church that um opened its doors to us they they reparented us you know they had all these people yeah. who
0: yeah
1: who who stepped in and filled the void and for people um that's a very powerful thing they can do in anyone's life right okay it is a blessing if you have that opportunity to affect somebody's life in that way and you know refugees you know, no one wants to be a refugee. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Nobody wants to be a homeless person. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to be, uh, you know, floating the wind, not knowing what, where, where your future is. And so, you know, this country, uh, it's a time that's kind of worrisome because we get so jaded by the news
0: mm-hmm. okay, that
1: we forget the, the human part of the news.
0: Absolutely. Right.
1: People's stories become just one story after the other. And it's not a story anymore about a person. And so, for anybody who's afraid, you know, just just look at that person.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, strip away that story. You know, you will be rewarded in many ways. Yeah, by reaching out, okay, and not being afraid. You know, not letting the fear take over, but let mm-hmm. the love part take over. Absolutely, and guide you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, you know, for our listeners out there, I I would encourage you um, to look past the rhetoric, um, to look past a number, and truly be able to listen and to hear the story on the other end, because each one of the numbers that you may hear on the news has a story to tell. And um, like you said, it's the human side to it all, right? And, you know, we can't give what we have, what we don't have, but I think all of us can give the gift of listening and the gift of understanding uh, and the gift of uh, welcome uh, to to people. And uh, I would just encourage everybody to To do that. Um, Eva mentioned uh, Lutheran Social Services, so I want to give a shout out um, since I'm also a Lutheran pastor here and I can do this (laughs) because it's my podcast. Uh, (laughs) uh, A shout out to Lutheran Social Services. Check them out. Go to their website, lutheranservices.org, and uh, just see what they're about. Uh, I encourage you to peruse their website, see the amazing work they're doing for refugees, and if you're here in Houston, check out ABBA's house, um, Texas. Um, it is here in Houston. Um, it is a refugee transitional home started by a congregation, um, that has now many congregations helping it. ABBA's a B B a S house, Texas.com. And to see how you might be able to get involved here locally, or if you're not here locally, check out Lutheran social services.org and, uh, find a way that you might be able to help as well. Well, Eva, I always end my podcast with what I call the final four. It is a rapid four questions, just random questions. um, And it's your first answer that comes to your mind. Okay. Are you ready for the challenge? I'm not (laughs) sure, but let's go. All right, here we go. All right. (laughs) Question number one is this, what is one of the best pieces of advice you have ever received?
1: it's going to relate to this.
0: Ask people, what's your story? Awesome. What does it mean to have time with God?
1: (sighs) It's to stop everything you're doing and just sit still.
0: Awesome. Some things I believe about God are?
1: God is everything. God is hope. God is faith. God is love.
0: Excellent. And finally, describe a favorite place or time you like to be with your family.
1: Favorite time I'd like to be with my family. Honestly, <laughs> we've been homebodies and that's probably not a good thing. So for <laughs> me, I just, I just feel safe when we're all together at home.
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. It's what home is about, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, Eva, thank you so much for sharing your story uh, with me, with all of our listeners. I truly greatly appreciate it. Everyone else out there have a wonderful and blessed day. Remember you are on a journey. We are all on journeys together. We are in this together. You are never alone. And I wish you nothing but the best blessings on your faith journey until next time. Take care. Bye-bye.